Welcome to the Gamia Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you're listening to the pod and trust that this message encourages your heart and faith today. At GBC, we're all about partnering with God in the renewal and restoration of all things. And it's our hope that through these sermons, you'll discover the life-changing power of Jesus. If you'd like to join us in person or online or find out more, check out our website at guymerebaptist.org.au. As Roxanne said, the Bible reading today is brought to you by the Paint family. I'm Grandma Sue, and we have my, our middle daughter, Catherine Patterson, with Abigail, no? No, Abigail. Yes, we do. With Abigail, and the two other Bible readers are Piper and Lily Scott, daughters, um, daughters of our third daughter. Okay, that's us. The Bible reading this morning comes from Luke chapter 2, reading verses 1 to 15. In the New International Version, it is um, subtitled, The Birth of Jesus. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone round about them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring to you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angels praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest in heaven and on earth peace on those whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Amen. (laughs) Well done, family pain. 
Uh, great to uh, have that reading, a familiar reading, I would imagine, for many on Christmas Day, uh, and trust that uh, you've had a good morning. I don't see a lot of very small children, so you probably did have a good morning, because it was uh, you actually were able to get to morning before that happened, except for this family here, which probably got up very early. But uh, great to have you with us this morning. Our theme this year is Home for Christmas, a theme that uh, struck me actually last year around this time uh, as something that was uh, quite interesting, just how, how many of our songs, how many of our Christmas movies reflect this deep desire and longing for home, uh, whether it be the desire to be home for Christmas or to have loved ones join us for Christmas, but beyond being kind of in a place, that sense of longing for, I don't know, the security, the provision, the abundance, the belonging, the, the kind of the promise of home, everything that home represents in its best sense, even if our home may not have expressed that in the way that we would have liked. And so I was quite uh, interested and excited about exploring this idea and this theme. And earlier this week, I looked at the passage again, and I realized that we had chosen a very ironic theme, because in Luke chapter 2, nobody is home for Christmas. It's a story of Joseph and Mary who leave their home in Nazareth of Galilee and go to Bethlehem in Judea, uh, and they don't even stay in the home of relatives or in a, an inn where they may have had an experience of home, but in a stable or a cave behind the inn. The shepherds, you could say, I suppose, were home, living with their sheep, but that doesn't sound like home to me. I'm not sure that any of those shepherds would have said to themselves, yep, I am living the good life. Uh, being at work in the middle of the night, taking care of sheep doesn't strike me as the kind of longing for home that we find in our Christmas carols and the songs and the movies that we experience. So I was really quite struck by this kind of the sense of um, our theme that didn't make any sense of the passage. But I've been a preacher for a while, so I figured a way out of that little conundrum. Um, because ultimately, when it comes right down to it, what, what, Luke is, what Luke is telling us in this story of Jesus' birth is actually not really about people not being home for Christmas. I mean, apart from the fact that it wasn't Christmas at this point in time. It wasn't Christmas until much later on. But there's actually something quite profound about what Luke is talking about in the context of these opening passages. You see, there is a real deep sense, a real longing for something more in and around the birth of Jesus. If you're familiar with the overall story of Jesus, particularly told in Luke's gospel, Luke opens his account by telling us a little bit more about the circumstances and situations that took place around Jesus' birth. And he begins with the angelic visits to a couple of people. Uh, one to Zechariah. Uh, he and his wife both were elderly. They had no children. Uh, and they were going to bear a son. And then to Mary, another angelic visitor who tells her that she will give birth to the Messiah. And both Mary and Zechariah end up responding in song. They kind of frame up their experience of that in some, in some pretty grand language. And if I gave to you the, the text, if I gave to you an example of Mary's song and of Zechariah's song, and I said to you, I want you to read the lyrics and tell me what situation they are kind of celebrating, I doubt very much that you would imagine that they had both fallen pregnant. Because the themes that they talk about are so much bigger than, hey, we're finally having a baby. 
they're so much bigger than I'm unexpectedly having a baby. They are these kind of massive themes that pick up on the story that has led all the way to it, all the way through Scripture. So let me just give you a couple of examples from Mary's song. As she begins by talking about the fact that her soul glorifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. But then she says these sorts of things. The Lord's mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised. Now, again, that doesn't sound like a, hey, I'm pregnant song, does it? It's, it's a song that reflects on these massive themes that we find all the way through Scripture of a world made right, of a world where there aren't people who are hungry and oppressed, those who are kind of pushed down and away into the margins, but in fact, the, the, a world where they are lifted up where there are no longer the oppressors, those who are able to kind of afflict their will on everybody at their own desire, but they too are leveled and brought down. That there's a sense that God's promises to bless the world are actually going to take place. Those are massive kinds of things, aren't they? Zechariah does much the same. Uh, When he bursts into song a little bit later in that same chapter, he says these sorts of things. That the Lord has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors, to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days." Mary and Zechariah describe a world where everything is right, where justice reigns, where uh, righteousness is the norm, uh, where there is no more oppression, where there is no more fear. When Jesus himself begins his ministry a little bit later on in Luke's account in chapter 4, Jesus himself takes some scripture as well and forms it as kind of his own little motto, as kind of his mandate for his mission. And this is the text that he reads. He says that the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That was his ministry. That's what it was about. And so the birth of Jesus kind of points to these massive promises, these promises in which God has said he will make everything right. It sounds a little bit like home, doesn't it? Just a little bit. In in the angel's song, they talk about peace on earth, shalom. Uh, Shalom is that sense that everything is exactly as it should be. Some of you experienced that late last night, right? The kids were finally in bed. The final present was finally wrapped and under the tree. That thing that had to be built was built with no spare pieces left over and one's patience intact. And you've sat down 
the glass of something, and you thought to yourself, we are ready. That was shalom. Some of you will experience it in a couple of days when you head back down the coast or up the coast or inland or wherever you're going, and you arrive at the holiday house that you've always stayed in as a family, and you've kind of unpacked the, the important things, the cold stuff's in the fridge, causes are on, and you are at the beach or you're on the deck with a cup of coffee, shalom. It's that sense that everything is as it should be. And we hear this in all of our Christmas music, don't we? And we sang some of it earlier today, right? Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, right? Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinner reconciled. There's a sense of peace because we are at one with God. We're going to sing joy to the world. The Lord has come, let earth receive her king. Right? The whole idea that something spectacular and amazing has happened, it's reflected in all of our sacred music, but we find it in our secular Christmas songs too, don't we? Whether it be the lovely tunes of Bing Crosby, right? I'll be home for Christmas, right? Please have snow and mistletoe and presents under the tree. Those symbols of like home, of childhood, of things when things were simpler, a little bit more innocent, even Mariah Carey, and I know it's probably too soon to mention her yet again, right? But what's the essence of that pop song, right? That all I want for Christmas is you, the, the, the special person in my life. Everything else, just, I just want to be with you. And if I am with you, that special person to whom I belong and who belongs to me, then everything's good. But we hear it in some of the other kind of the bigger songs. I know that uh, looking around, many of you remember Band-Aid, right? Do they know it's Christmas time at all? Here's to us, raise a glass for everyone. Here's to them underneath the burning sun, right? A huge kind of um, a pop song to raise money for famine in Africa. Uh, and the desire behind that song is what we find, say, in so many Christmas movies. I don't know how many Christmas movies you've watched this year. We tried another one last night or the other night. It wasn't great, nonetheless, right? But how many of the, the Christmas movies reflect on the fact that everyone should be home for Christmas. No one should be alone at Christmas. Everyone should receive a, a present and a gift. Everybody matters. You, you, you hear it again and again and again. Happy Christmas. War is over. These wonderful songs expressing this idea that there is more. And so Christmas presents for us, ironically, <laughs> not a sense of home, but I actually think a sense of homesickness. I stumbled across a Welsh word, and if you're Welsh, I'm probably going to butcher your language, so I apologize. Uh, I tried to look up different pronunciations on the internet, but apparently people on the internet just make stuff up because you can pronounce this word any way that you want, and apparently it's correct. Hiraeth is how I'm going to pronounce it. Hiraeth is the word, H-I-R-A-E-T-H, and it's a Welsh term that describes a homesickness, a longing for a home that has been lost or that never was. A homesickness for something that has been lost, a home to which you can never return, or a home that perhaps has never actually been. A longing for something more. And, and I reckon that's part of our experience at Christmas, isn't it? You know, as Lockie led us in prayer, really appreciated his reflections, not just on the joy and the peace that we believe Jesus' birth brought, but on the recognition that our world is not right. We don't have to look internationally to see that, 
For many of us, the idea of going home for Christmas is an idea that we're like, whew, lucky it's Christmas. Because home is not necessarily the place of peace and belonging and security and forgiveness and love and happiness and joy all the time, is it? We know this to be the case. Christmas is kind of this moment in time where we express in part what we hope would be true in all of life. I mean, wouldn't it be nice if it were Christmas every day? Because at Christmas, people are just a little bit kinder. Uh, My wife went out uh, to the shops with many other people quite late in the Christmas thing. Uh, And uh, when she came home, she said it was really busy, but people were really kind and polite and no one was getting cranky. And I was like, really? (laughs) But it is Christmas and we do stumble upon that a bit. Giving at Christmas tends to go up. We're more charitable at Christmas than we are at other times of the year. That's why charities are so keen to make sure you know about what they're doing, right? There's something about Christmas in our hopes for it, in in the things that we do. We go home for Christmas. We have the family around. And even though we know it might get a little bit tricky come later this afternoon, there's something really important about having our family here. There's something important about being with the people to whom we belong that we get a sense of our identity from. There's this sense that at Christmas, there's, a, there's just a bit of what we desperately long for. But we're all just a little bit homesick for something more. And that's what the birth of Jesus has come to bring. There's something in his birth that promises the fullness of what we are homesick for. That longing that it can be, in fact, Christmas every day. Which actually brought me back to chapter 2 and the fact that nobody is home for Christmas. Because I found myself kind of wondering about the other characters thought, well, Caesar Augustus, he's probably home. He's the emperor. He gets to be wherever he likes. Quirinius, the governor of Syria, was not home. He's from Rome, living in Syria. The wise men, another story, are also not home. But here was the question that I had. When Jesus was born, was he away from home for Christmas? I mean, because at one level, right, Jesus is from heaven. Yes? You know, he came from the Father to us. He has returned to the Father and will return to us from the Father at some point in time. So it sounds as if home is in heaven, glory with God and the angels and all that, and that he was here on a work assignment, a job exchange, right? If you'd emailed him, he would have sent him out for a while, call Gabriel if it's an emergency, right? Was Jesus home for Christmas or was he away from home? And I actually think this is, actually, is quite important because the idea that uh, Mary and Zechariah and Jesus kind of pull together as they talk about the great, grand promises of God, the the promises for peace and for shalom, the promises of a place to belong and a people to belong to and an identity and the possibilities and the security and the stability, the promise of home 
All of those things are dependent upon one thing, and that is that God is with His people. This theme goes all the way through Scripture. In the garden, we find that the Lord walked with Adam and Eve. When God called Abraham, He spoke to him and said, walk humbly before me. Uh, He lived with and dwelled with his people in both the tabernacle and the temple, promising them that he would be among them. And that was critical for the blessings to flow, because unless God, who is the source of all blessing, was with them, well, where was the blessing going to come from? The whole idea that God would bring about peace on earth, the whole concept that God would bring about justice on the earth was not as if God was going to stand from on high and kind of smite people on earth with lightning bolts, that he was going to work at a distance, but he was actually going to be here, that he as the source of life would bring life to all. And so Jesus' birth, which promises this fulfillment of our deepest longings is based on and founded upon the fact that Jesus came to earth. And I'd like to suggest that Jesus was not away from home for Christmas, but that he was in fact home. I don't know how divine geography works, and I have no idea if Jesus has a home address. But there's something quite profound and powerful to recognize that when Jesus was born, small infant wrapped in claws, lying in a manger, that he had become God with us. Not God visiting us. Not God passing through us. Not God stopping off for a bit of a sightseeing adventure or for something new because you know how it goes. No, God with us. That in a very real way, Jesus was at home. Not a stranger, not a visitor, but one amongst his people to finally and to fully bring to fruition all the promises of God. And because He is at home with us, we can experience home with Him. Jesus was home for Christmas and has become our home for Christmas, in whom we find place and belonging and purpose and possibility and peace, a peace that we desperately long for, a peace that we long for in a particularly profound way, I think, around Christmas, because Christmas provides us just a little bit of an insight in some of its best parts of what life could truly be like if God's kingdom were to come on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is home for Christmas. He is your home for Christmas. So if you find yourself just a little bit homesick this year, if at some point in your travels or in your family time or the opening of the presents or the 
secret Santa games that are played, you find yourself thinking, you know, this isn't peaceful. You just take that homesickness for a moment and maybe just remind yourself that in Jesus' coming, there is home available for all of us. I'm going to invite the team up. Uh, They're going to lead us in our final uh, carol for this morning. But as they do, would you join me as we pray? Lord Jesus, we thank you that we can celebrate your birth this morning, an opportunity for us to reflect on the significance of what it is that we're celebrating, that we're not just remembering your birthday, as as much as, as that might be important, but that we are remembering the promises that your birth gives promises of peace and of security and of belonging, uh, promises ultimately of home. And we recognize in our day-to-day lives and in our water world that we long for something more than what we experience. And I pray that we might find as we celebrate your birth today and over the next couple of days with family and friends, that we might remember those promises and that we might experience just a little bit more of home. I pray that by faith we might take our homesickness, that longing, and put it to good use, that we might be about your work, joining you in bringing about home for those around us. So we ask your blessing on our time together. We pray your blessing on our Christmas celebrations, for we ask it in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast. We hope you found inspiration and encouragement and God used this message to speak to you. If you want to connect more with GBC, you can follow us on social media or contact us via our website. You can also get to know some of the people from our church community through the We Are The Church podcast. Real stories of real people sharing how Jesus has shaped and transformed their life. We pray you experience the transforming power of Jesus in your life and pray that God blesses you today.